Does anybody here like flying on airplanes? <laughs> it's a pretty polarizing question, isn't it? Those of you that don't fly a lot said yes. Those of you that fly a lot said no, right? How many of you guys have a story where you were flying on an airplane or planning to fly on an airplane and things didn't go as planned? Flight got canceled, flight got delayed, right? And all of a sudden you realize this is why I don't like flying, right? Well, in 2021... 2021, 2021, 2021, there was a flight out of Washington, D.C., a JetBlue flight scheduled to leave Washington, D.C. and fly to New York City. And it got canceled, which no one looks twice at. A flight got canceled. The reason it got canceled made headlines. Because as the plane was preparing to leave, the plane was boarded, everybody got on, all the luggage got stowed, and everybody was ready to go. Until there was a conversation heard in the front of the plane between the flight attendants and the pilots who were on the phone. And then an announcement was made that the flight had been canceled because the pilots were too tired. Now, do you think people were happy or sad? Sad would be an understatement, right? They were angry. We got places to go. What do you mean you're tired? Get over it. Fly to New York City. It's not that long. We'll make it. Well, the, most of the passengers were pretty mad. There was a passenger who tweeted out the story and her line was simply this. People are mad, but I'm actually grateful that these guys would recognize that they did not want to put my life in jeopardy because of how tired they were. You see, the reason we laugh or look sideways when we hear that a flight was canceled because people were, were tired is because all of us would say, a lot of the time, we're tired. And so tired is not a legitimate excuse. At work, if you don't get something done, or if you don't meet a deadline and you come into your boss and you say, well, you see, I was just tired. It's not gonna go well for you, right? Tired is assumed. And it's understood that we need to push through when we are tired. My question would be, has being tired affected your actions this week? You see, we, many of us don't fly airplanes, but we all drive cars. And a study found that almost 20% of accidents have driver fatigue as a part of the problem. And if you think, well, I haven't been in an accident, so obviously I'm not fatigued. Well, guess what? You are. <laughs> because if you have less than four or five hours of sleep in the previous 24 hours, you are 20% more likely to have an accident while driving. Whether we recognize we're tired or we're not, the fact is we were not created to simply go, 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 go. We know studies have shown the sleep we need, the rest we need, how important it is. And many of us have experienced the beauty of a good night's sleep. And we've experienced what it's like to be rested. But as Troy said earlier, even today, when you come in after an extra hour of sleep, Many of us would say, we are still tired. You see, this morning, I don't want to talk about us being tired. I want us to talk about being weary. Because tired can be easily addressed. Go take a nap. I would strongly encourage you to take the nap after the sermon, not during the sermon. <laughs> but weary, if you are weary... You know that a nap isn't going to fix it. You know that because you, probably like me, have had a good night's sleep, woken up, felt rested, and all of a sudden gotten hit by the train of reality and found yourself weary before your feet even hit the floor, right? 
Tired is different than weary. Tired is physical. Weary is emotional. Weary is spiritual. Weary is due to what's happening and the burdens we're carrying in our hearts and minds. And it's heavy. And it affects how we live our life. Being tired and being weary obviously are connected. If you're a parent, have been a parent, if you have been around parents of toddlers, inevitably a toddler has, well, we can do this two ways, toddlers or teenagers. Inevitably, there's a meltdown. And the excuse that's given in an understanding way is they're tired. And you know that the only thing that's going to fix it is a nap. You see, a nap isn't going to fix weariness. But when we are tired, it's impossible for us to address and dig into and understand why we are weary. So rest is important when we're tired. But when we are weary, we need something more. You see, our Heavenly Father knows our deepest needs. He gives us rest when we are tired. And he has promised us renewed strength when we are weary. You see, God invites those who are tired to rest and those who are weary to receive. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to flip over to Isaiah chapter 40. We're in a series over the next couple of weeks leading up to Advent called Promised and True. And we're looking at five promises found in the book of Isaiah. Last week, Troy kicked us off by talking about the promise of God's peace. And today we come to the promise of God's renewed strength. I thought Troy did a great job last week. Love how he ended encouraging us to find peace, peace by looking at how we are thinking and how we are thanking, and how literally, and so many times, what we're going to see throughout these five promises is there's a promise that's been given, but there is an obligation and an opportunity for us to step towards that promise, action that we can take in order to live in the truth that that promise provides. So if you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to look at a couple verses that may not sound so familiar on the front end, but by the time we get done with these five verses, you're going to be, you will be reminded of these are verses that you know. In Isaiah 40, starting in verse 27, we read this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we get to the end, you probably have those verses on a coffee cup or maybe even a picture in your house. Right? We love the promise that those verses afford. We want to soar. We want to be re- our strength to be renewed. We want the promise to be true. And looking at these five verses, I want us to look at four, four questions that we need to answer. And these questions are, are this. I think we had them on the screen a second ago. Yes. Questions we're going to look at is what do we question? What do we forget? What does God do? And what has really been promised? What do we question? What do we forget? What does God do? And what has really been promised? If we jump back to verse 27, verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? 
As we jump into these verses, it's important not just to look at the broader character. We're going to bounce around a whole lot in the, the chapter of chapter 40, but we need to understand the broader context of Isaiah. Isaiah has 66 chapters in it, and it can be broken into two halves. The first half is 1 through 39. And as we get to Isaiah 40, the tone changes, the posture shifts, the direction moves. And actually, um, what happens is in the beginning, first 1 through 39, God is warning. God is saying, hey, if you don't turn, if you don't change, if you don't repent, if you don't come back to me, judgment is going to happen. Judgment is going to come. And it does. And then the second half, as we pick up Isaiah 40, what we're finding is God is speaking and saying, hey, what I said would happen has happened. And now what I've promised will happen is going to happen as well. My promise still stands. I'm going to bring you back. Interestingly, the break in Isaiah from 30, chapter 30 into 40 and then through the rest of the book, some have speculated that the Isaiah was actually written by two different authors that Isaiah wrote the first part and then he died. And then his, his followers who had a lot of his writings took his writings and some of the things he had and put together the rest of the book. And some people have used that to discredit the book, use that to undermine the book, to say, see, we can't trust the book. But the reality is Isaiah is one of the most quoted books in the New Testament by the apostles, by Paul and by Jesus. The author doesn't, the, who the author is doesn't undermine the value that we have in this book. What we have is a book that is clearly given to us to show the faithfulness of our God. And so as we come into these verses in verse 27, they're questioning. They're questioning, my way is hidden from the Lord. If you look at verse 27 in the ESV, it says, and my rights are disregarded by my God. In the NIV, that last line says, my cause is disregarded, my cause is disregarded by my God. The NASB says, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. So the question that people are asking, the question that's being put before God is, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see my problems? Do you see why I am so weary? Are you aware of my struggles? Are you aware of my burdens? And like, just like the Israelites, I believe we oftentimes find us in the same place. God, do you see me? I'm weary because I don't see you moving. I don't see you acting. You see, when you jump to the beginning of Isaiah 40, look at how it begins. It begins with comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort. God is saying, I see you. I see you. I know where you are and I love you. And my promise still stands. Our God is still speaking comfort and tenderness to us today. And we come with a question of God, do you see me? The answer is always yes. God always sees us. God is always with us, even when we may not seem, think it is true. So if the first question is, what do we question? We question, does God see us? But the point is, God is not too great to care. God is not too great to care. God is not so caught up in all of the world and everything else that he's doing that he doesn't care about little old me or little old you. And the second question we find in verse 28 is, what do we forget? Well, 28 says, have you not known? Have you not heard? 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What do we forget? We're forgetting who our God is. And so what does God remind us again and again and again? Who he is. He points to, this is who I am and I don't change. Check out Isaiah 40, verse 9. It says, Go up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. When we're prone to ask the question of God, Do you see me? I think God's response is, Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Where are your eyes? Because oftentimes our eyes get glued to what's around us instead of the God who is above us. And here God is saying, behold your God. Our weariness can be due to our forgetting who we are trusting, which is why God says, look at me. And in verse 28, what does God say? He goes, hey, let me remind you. Let me just give you a quick overview of who I am. I'm an everlasting God. I'm the creator of all things. I'm a God who never gets tired. Understanding, my understanding is beyond comprehension. What am I saying? I am, I am everlasting before everything. I am eternal. I am the creator of all things, made everything you see. And guess what? While you get tired and weary, I never do. And while you don't understand things, I have never been left at a loss for words. Check out just a couple of verses earlier in Isaiah 40, verse 25. God says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. I was saying, hey, can you just look up? Look up. You see that? Look at this. This is a picture of the Milky Way. We don't see it around here because of all the light pollution that's around here. But if the sky was clear, right, this is what you see. A guy is saying, would you look up? Guess what? Every single one of those things, and that's not everything. That's just a small bit of what I've created. But every single one of these, I created. And every single one of these that I created, I then named and every single one of these that I named, I then put in place. And every single one of these that I created, named, and put in place, guess what? I'm holding it in place. I'm guessing for you and me, when we feel weary, one of the reasons we feel weary is we feel like something is going to fall. Something is not going to be held together. And you get weary because you're trying to hold it all together. Maybe you're trying to hold together a family. Maybe you're trying to hold together a company. Maybe you're trying to hold on to a job. Maybe you're trying to hold on to a relationship. And we get weary because we're holding all of these things. And we're going, I can't do it anymore. And God says, look at me. Look at me. If I can create that, name that, and hold that in place, how does that change my ability to hold you? I'm not too great to care, not care. And also, I'm not, I am too great to fail. And what happens is when we put this verse on top of that picture, we're reminded of who our God is. What do we forget? We forget who our God is. And the reality is our God 
is too great to fail. He doesn't forget us and he will not and cannot fail us. So if we've been reminded that God is not too great to care and he is too great to fail, in verse 29, we get reminded of what God does. He does not only exercise his power out there, but he imparts his power in here. In verse 29, it says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Guess what? His power and his goodness is not just for you to see out there. It's for you to experience in here. It's for you. It's accessible to me. When we remember who God is and what he's capable of, we are tempted to ask if God is really gonna do what he says he's gonna do until we look at the past and we go, look at what he's done. Look at his track record. You see, is this verse true? Well, we look back and we go, what has he done? We've seen what he's created. We've seen what he does. We've seen the power that he has, but have his promises been true? And I love this because in Isaiah 40, verse three, we get something that sounds, may sound familiar to you. It says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Can he do that? He can and he did. As I would say in your Bible, I would encourage you to write down Luke 3, four through six, because Luke three, four through six, when we get to the gospel of Luke, Jesus is, comes on the scene and John the Baptist is on the scene. And what Luke is doing is he's connecting the story. and He's going, look, the promises, they're true. They're happening right now. Look at Luke chapter three, verse four, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, makes paths, his, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level and all flesh will see the salvation of God. If he did it then, why can he not do it now? And if God can take mountains and make them low and valleys and bring them high and he can bring salvation for all people, what does that say about his ability to come alongside and renew your strength in light of your weariness? What does God do? God exercises and imparts his power. I don't know about you, it'd be pretty awesome to have a God who could exercise the power that he has and do everything that he does. It's absolutely mind-blowing that God not only exercises his power, but imparts that power on us. So we get to the last question. What has really been promised? What has really been promised? And we get to these verses that we probably know and probably familiar with, but what do they really mean? Isaiah 40, verse 30 through 31. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To that, we say amen, right? I want that. Sign me up. Like, 
I don't want a life of soaring. I don't want a life of weariness. How do I get that? Here we see the youths. It says, youths grow tired. We shall be faint and be weary. And then it talks about young men. Now, youths means young men. Young men actually means those who were specifically selected for their physical vigor. Like, these are the last people that you would expect to get weary. These are the last people you'd expect to get tired. He's saying, even the ones that you would never expect to become weary, those shall fall exhausted. So guess what? It's not a physical thing, this thing called weariness. It's emotional and it's spiritual. If you have your Bibles, I would circle the word but. The beginning of verse 31. You see, strength is possible, not for those who expect it, but for those who choose to receive it. See, it says, but. We don't have to be faint. We don't have to be weary. Young men don't have to fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I don't know about you, but isn't wait like a four-letter word? It is a four-letter word. Some of you looked up. You're like, wait a second. (laughs) We don't like waiting. But those who wait for the Lord, the key to renewed strength is waiting. The key to waiting is recognizing. Waiting can can also be translated hope. Some of your Bibles may say hope. Those who put their hope in the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, those who wait with hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Our hope rests in a God who is not too great to care. The same God who is too great to fail. The God who imparts his power to those who wait on him. You see this idea of renewed strength. This idea of renewed strength literally is a picture of taking off something and putting on something else. It's new clothes. It's saying, I don't want that anymore, the weariness. I want the renewed strength that God gives and I choose to put it on. How do I put it on? I put it on by hoping. I put it on by trusting. I put it on by waiting. Trusting and waiting and hoping in God's promise. Renewed strength. It's not a formula. It's not a magic potion. It's not an elimination of everything that is going on in our life. It's a new way to encounter those things and it's recognizing that God, not us, is intended to carry them. See, God invites those who are tired to rest and those who are weary to receive. The psalmist in Psalm 147, 10 through 11 says, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. I don't know what you're feeling right now, But inside of me, I know there's this tension. I feel like, ah, I want that to be true. I want it to be as simple as choosing to trust. I want it to be as simple as choosing to believe. I want it to be as simple as just putting my hope in God. But, But will it work? Like, what happens to all this stuff that I'm trying to hold together? What happens to all this stuff that I'm trying to manage? What's happened to all this stuff that I'm trying to carry? See, that's why I love our God. Because while I believe our eyes and our hearts are drawn to one of the pictures that he gives at the end of these verses, he gives us three. 
And the three that he gives are so incredibly encouraging when it comes to how God renews our strength. You see, the first picture he gives us is that of an eagle. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Some of your Bibles may say soar on wings like eagles. Can you imagine back in Isaiah's day, the knowledge that they had of creation and flight? You imagine sitting there watching these eagles soar way up in the sky, how incredible that must be and how absent of problems that must be. You look at an eagle and you go, wow, I would love to just fly away. I would love to soar above my problems. I would love to leave everything down below. I would love, yes, God, I would love to mount up on wings like eagles and get away. You see, sometimes God renews our strength through supernatural rescue. Because I don't think Isaiah or God is inviting us to flap our wings and fly. (laughs) He's giving us a picture to remind us of what he's capable of. But that doesn't mean that's what he always does. You see, when you see an eagle soaring, what do you not typically see it doing? Flapping. It doesn't flap its wings. Some people have done some studies on eagles and one of the things that they found was that an eagle averaged less than two minutes of flapping per hour. Two out of 60 were spent flapping. Why? Because soaring happens by putting your wings out and the air carrying you. Eagles can fly miles and miles and miles without ever flapping because of the air currents they ride on. Soaring is not dependent on you and I flapping. Yes, there are some things we need to do and there's some flapping that happens as we take off to get off the ground, to let, leave behind the things that are burdening us. But ultimately soaring happens when we set our wings wide and allow God to take us, when we allow the wind to carry us. You see, we're not being told to go fly. But this is a reminder that sometimes when you and I in our weariness and our brokenness, God takes us and literally picks us up takes something that's burdensome, takes something that's wearisome to us and removes it from us or removes us from it. Maybe that's part of your story. Maybe there's times as you look back and you go, look at what God did. God literally picked me up and set me on a different place, picked me up and allowed me to soar. The problem was a problem no more. The weariness was a weariness no more. It was gone. Now, I wish that was the case all the time, but it's not and God knows it. And this is why it's so encouraging that God doesn't leave us with this. He continues. He says, they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. How many of you guys like running? There's a few of us, right? Love running. Nothing better than a morning trail run at the mountain. Out in creation, just running. But guess what? I can't run forever. What God is saying is there is a way in which sometimes supernaturally I'll take you and lift you up out of your problem. But there are other times when I will empower you to continue pushing forward. 
I will continue still in a supernatural way because no one has been able to ever run and not grow weary. He's saying there is a way in which for you to run the path put in front of you by me and not grow weary. That is just as supernatural as the eagle. It just isn't quite as fun, right? But there are times when you and I have things in our life and we find ourselves incredibly overwhelmed and incredibly weary. And God's answer is the renewed strength he's chosen to provide for us is not the supernatural removal of it. It's the empowerment to run through it and to keep moving and to keep running one step after another. But sometimes it's not even through running. Sometimes if we're honest, we've experienced God's renewed strength by the power to simply keep walking to simply keep walking. They shall walk and not faint. I'm guessing as you look at these three pictures, there are seasons in your life or there is a moment today that you're looking at and you go, I'm soaring. Or maybe you're saying, no, I'm running and God's given me the strength. Or maybe some of you this morning are saying, I'm trusting God that he'll give me the strength to take the next step because it's been years. It's been years of struggling with a sickness. It's been years of struggling with dysfunction. It's been years of struggling with temptation and addiction. And right now, what God is doing is he's given me the strength for today. And my encouragement to us this morning is this. When God says, I will renew your strength, whether you're experiencing an eagle soaring, a runner running, or a walker taking the next step, you are each experiencing God's promise being true. Because God did not say, I will renew your strength and take away all problems and all reasons for weariness. The beauty of our God is he says, where you find yourself, I'm there. And just like last week, I promised you my peace. This week, I'm I'm promising you my renewed strength. And oftentimes when we look at this and we go, I'm just walking and I've been walking and the marriage isn't getting better. The relationship isn't getting better. The job isn't getting better. The struggle isn't getting better. The temptation isn't getting better. And God's going, but you're still here. And I'm still giving you strength one day at a time. Now, do we understand it? No. One day, I think we will. One day I think we'll see the struggles and we'll go, God, why didn't you move earlier? Why didn't you move faster? If you remember from 2 Peter a couple weeks ago, Peter reminds us, God is not slow in keeping his promise. Every promise we find will be true and every promise we'll see God's goodness in it. But in the moment, it's okay to go, God, I'm tired. To which God says, take a nap. And it's okay to say, I'm weary. To which God says, come and receive my strength. So where do you find yourself? What is causing you to be weary? What is difficult for you to wait on? Why is it becoming hard to hope? Got another picture for you. Maybe this will help you like it helps me. I don't know what your favorite cereal is. Um, I'm a big fan of frosted mini wheats. I don't know what cereal you like, but I would encourage you this week to walk down the cereal aisle. And on every single box, there's a disclaimer. Do you know what the disclaimer is? 
okay, shame me for my sugar cereal. <laughs> we're not looking at the nutritional value, we're looking at the front of the box. On the front of the box, it says enlarged to show texture. Now, have you ever opened a cereal or another thing and then what's come out and you look at what's on the box and you go, well, that was not honest. <laughs> you don't get a real pour your bowl of frosted mini wheats and go, that is not what the picture looked like. You understand that the box is enlarged to show you what to represent what is inside. You see, a lot of times I think we see God's promises in front of a cereal box and we go, yes, I want that. Renewed strength, sign me up tomorrow. I'll be the energizer bunny. But then when we open the box, we experience God's promises lived out and applied in our life. We find ourselves disappointed. As we go, that's not what was advertised. God, you said you promised renewed strength. And you said I would soar on wings like eagles. But God says, would you look a little closer? There's more there. Yes, sometimes you will soar on wings like eagles. Sometimes you'll run and not grow weary. And other times you'll walk and not faint. All three are true. All three point to the fact that my promises can be trusted. So the questions we looked at this morning, we said, what do we question? We question if God sees us. And the answer is God is not too great to care. God is not too great to fail. And in response to the question of what do we forget? What does God do? He exercises and imparts his power. And what has really been promised? What has really been promised is that our strength will be renewed as we wait by faith with hope. If you're tired, take a nap. If you're weary, receive what God has for you and for me. Jesus himself said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He didn't say you'll do nothing. He says, I'll put my yoke upon you. The reason you're weary is because you're holding things that were never intended for you to hold. So lay it down and receive what I want to give you. When it comes to being weary, it seems that most of the time it's due to our worry. I think one of the greatest reasons that you and I are weary is because of worry. And Jesus spoke to that too, didn't he? He says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough of its own. Would you simply trust me today? So many times we're weary because we're trying to do God's job tomorrow. And in doing that, we've then missed what God's asked us to, to be our job today, which is simply to trust, to have faith, to have hope, and to wait on him. One of the regular practices that Jesus gave us to remember the reason we can find hope in him is communion. You see, when we're weary, we remember what Christ did on our behalf. We remember what Christ gave to us. We remember what Christ has made possible for you and I to simply receive. And so this morning, as we wrap up, I wanted to encourage you as we sing these last couple of songs to just make your way to the corners or up here and take the, the cracker, take the bread and dip it in the juice and say, thank you. God, as this, 
as I take this and eat this, remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, would this renew my strength? Would this be a visible reminder of the strength that you have put inside of me, the strength that you want to give me, the life you want to fill me with as I put my hope in you? Interestingly, the first Passover in Egypt was eaten by the Israelite people with their sandals on, their belts on, ready to go. The first Passover or the first communion, the first last supper that Jesus served his disciples while they were remembering the Passover was served while they were laying down. Simply receiving. Jesus said, would you simply receive what I am about to do for you? And would you allow my strength to fill you, my strength to be renewed in me as you wait and put your hope in me so that sometimes you can soar on wings like eagles. Sometimes you can run and not grow weary. And sometimes you can walk and not faint. And every time my promise of renewed strength is available and waiting for you if you will receive. Let's pray. Father, in this room, I'm gonna assume that almost everybody is experiencing weariness in some form or fashion. Some in ways that we can't comprehend how they're even still standing. God, for those, I ask for just a supernatural demonstration of your strength. God, that they would sense your presence, they would sense your peace, and they would know that they have a supernatural strength inside of them because your promise to renew their strength is true today. God, for some who are running and feel like they're going, but they're not sure how long this is gonna last, I just pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to keep moving. You'd remind them that you are right there with them. And God, for some, man, they're soaring. And we just praise you. Praise you for the strength you've given. Praise you for the supernatural demonstration of your faithfulness and your goodness in their life. And God, for all of us, God, will we come to you, regardless of where we are, and simply receive. Receive what you've ultimately done on our behalf, the life that you've given, and the grace that you've made available to us through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And it's in his name that we live. And it's in his name that we receive strength. It's in Jesus' name.